Welcome to the Vinyl Impressions Radio Show Syndication Podcast, where we bring you the groove and essence of radio, all wrapped up in the timeless charm of vinyl records. I'm your host, Martin Brown, and on this show, we delve into the world of radio, exploring captivating interviews with station owners, talented presenters, and visionary entrepreneurs. Join me as we uncover the secrets of successful radio promotion and discover innovative ways to elevate your online presence. Whether you're a station owner, a show presenter, or a DJ, our guests offer valuable insights and strategies to help you flourish in the digital age. To get in touch with the podcast or share your thoughts, drop us an email at podcast at vinylimpressions.club. For more updates and exciting content, visit our main website at vinylimpressions.club and connect with us on our Facebook page, Vinyl Impressions Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Vinyl Impressions Music Radio Show podcast. And my special guest today is someone who's been at it for a while and they're pretty good at it too. In fact, that good took them on as a presenter on my radio syndication output. Let's welcome Peter Kirkpatrick. Hello, Martin. Uh, very pleased to be here. Many thanks for inviting me. I like the fact that I've been at it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the music. And oh, sorry, the music. Yes, absolutely. Welcome along. Actually, I say this is one of the early shows. It could could be a pilot that turns into something amazing. And I'm, I couldn't have wished for a better person to be on it because I've listened to your radio shows. I've watched how you work. I've looked at, I've done a little bit of research. I've done my job to a certain degree. And I was thrilled when you said you'd come along. So thank you very much for that. The first thing I must ask you, Kirkpatrick, that's yes. a, that stands out on my list of presenters simply for the net. Where did it come from? In sort of recent history, and by that I go back four or 500 years, it's Scottish. So I'm entitled to wear a kilt. In fact, I, you don't know that I'm not wearing a kilt now, but I'm not. And uh, yeah, so we've got our, our own clan. We come from Glasgow area, Troon and Loch Lomond and all around that. So our kilt is the Colhoun clan. And a, a big history, we were tied up with Bonnie Prince Charlie, not Bonnie Prince Charlie so much, but Robert the Bruce and all that sort of thing. And our motto is I make sure, because one of my ancestors went in and did somebody to death. It's all very sordid, but it's all out there. It's, it's great history. And then be, before that, it was Scot- it's Irish, of course. So yeah. But a uh, big history. Right. And then uh, I don't know where mine came from, Brown. <laughs> it's the name you've got to keep, isn't it? When I was uh, on the road doing presenting discos, it used to be Martin King. Somebody accidentally modeled me up somebody else and put King there. And I thought, oh, I'll stick with that. So it was Martin <laughs> or DJ, then Brown. But I, I thought we had James Brown, a pop star. So yes, back with it now. As I say, thank you for coming along. And I've got a, a few questions to ask you, but the, because the podcast is for radio presenters and radio stations, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your radio show and when it first started airing, as it were. Yeah, I got into radio by mistake. But when I, through lockdown, I was doing two live shows a week. One was a talk show for local businesses and things. And Sunday morning was a just easy listening, really. And they're both live. And used to thoroughly enjoy doing that, but of course, lockdown came along and where do we go from here? And the station I was with were kept telling me how techno they were and up to speed. And then I found out they weren't, and there was no way of doing anything from home. 
to, to beam into the studio. Being an ex, having been uh, a liver transplant survivor, I was extremely vulnerable to COVID. So I had to stay at home. And so there was no way of doing it. So I, I thought, I can't just sit here. I'll have a go. So I, I Google things and ask people questions. And the people, the other presenters weren't particularly forthcoming with anything because they were DJs as opposed to radio people. And there is a big difference. So I gradually Googled things and I brought, brought lots of equipment. I've got a shed full of, of stuff here that's cost me a fortune that's never, ever going to see the light of day, as you're probably the same. But gradually, over a period of time, I then started to record a show for them. And that would, a two hour show would probably take me about four or five hours. It was horrendous. And uh, I was involved in the management of the company. I decided that this wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't for me. So I, I decided to leave. And I thought, again, I, I don't want to just sit here. So I, I came up over a period of two or three months, this idea for 50 years of pop. And it, initially it was this set up to be for hospital radio. Having spent time in hospital, a lot of time in hospital, I wanted something to entertain rather than what was on offer. And some of it was fairly dire. And so I thought like, it needs to cover all the bases. I'm a child of the fifties. So my influence was late fifties, all through the sixties and the seventies especially. So I thought well, that's a good place to start. Let's add on a couple of decades to that, to bring in, make it a bigger audience. So it became 50 years of pop. And I tend to be a bit tongue in cheek with my comments. It's got me into a lot of trouble over the years, I can tell you, but still does. It did a couple of days ago, but moving on, we, I, I decided that I'd, I'd put some useless or not useless, but sometimes irrelevant links, but something in the way that I would entertain or or amused because radio really should be to entertain and inform. And, and I think just music for music's sake nowadays, radio stations have got to have something different. Um, you can have download all sorts of music, Amazon, Spotify, whatever, and, and just play music if that's what you want. My wife particularly likes somebody talking in between music, depending on the station. I can live without that sometimes, but I do like to hear a voice and it, but it needs to give something to me. I launched this and there was a, a chappy I knew who had sent in a recorded show to the station I was on and he had left and he had his own station. And I thought I'll approach him and see what he thinks of it. And I sent it to him and he said, oh yeah, I'll have this. And so we started that process and then I launched it on social media and a bit slow for the first week or two, not a lot uh, nibbles. And then all of a sudden it just went bonkers, absolutely bonkers. And I still get these. I don't promote it much now, but every now and then requests come in and I've literally lost count of where it is. It's Australia, America, Canada, New Zealand, Canary Island, Spain. I think I got one in Italy, not so much on mainland Europe so much. That, that seems a bit strange and certainly not in the Nordic countries, but yeah, it's out there. And of course, one bloke in, in Australia, I said to him just out of curiosity, cause I'm listening figures don't bother me. It's a bit like miles per gallon. Once you've got it, it's there, isn't it? But I thought, what is your demographic? What's your audience? And he, the typical outback Australian, he says, I think we've got almost 22 listeners, mate. And I thought, great, because it's serving in something for that community. And if that brings them together or gives them a laugh or, or they get up and have a bit of a dance around to something, that's fine. Whether it's 22 or 22,000 doesn't actually matter. It's interesting you should say that because I, I, I always go through research and do little things every now and again, at least once a month. And some people brag, oh, we've got a billion listeners. 
But I thought, I'm not really interested in that. I want to be the people that do listen. I want them to enjoy it. So like you say, if there's only 22, that's fine. I used to do live shows on internet radio when it was first became popular back in the late 90s, really. And I used to get three listeners sometimes. And yeah. I, amazed me. I didn't want to, I just had fun with them and their feedback. Do you get feedback from your audience at all? I don't from the listeners because of when my show is out there, as opposed to other syndicated shows where they do a show and the link goes out each week. So it's show 93 is today. I don't do that because when I started, I, I sent out my link or I sent out show one to, to one or two stations and then some other stations come. So I sent them shows one and two and then some other stations. So I sent them one, two and three and I thought, hang on. I'm spending more time doing the admin than I am doing the show. That's not what I wanted to do. So then I did it all via Dropbox link and I send you the link and there are all the shows in there. This is station info, obviously. So they can then download what they want and play it how they want to. And I do it in chunks to allow for their station imaging and, and promos and adverts and things. And I say to them, if you need to fade the end track on each bit, do it. I'm not precious about. It, I always try to put the last track on so it's a bit fadeable. If you need to put something else in, I, I'm not going to ring you up and say, Oi, what are you doing to my show? It's not like that. And yeah, I get feedback, some more than others. Some are just, we'll take your show, thanks very much, and that's it. And then others, you get a lot of bits and bobs, and, and some, I have to say, that's usually quite flattering. I'm not up for accolades particularly. Although, believe it or not, on one station, was it last week or the week before? One of my shows was 14th in the global charts for educational shows. Wow. I'm impressed. So am I, because I'd never heard of it before. I didn't know what it, and I suppose it's because of the information. There was actually a college in America that took it for that reason, for the youngsters, so they could hear some information about 60s, 70s stuff, which to them is a world away, isn't it? To the likes of us. It seems like yesterday, and I'm sure in a few years' time, we'll think it was yesterday. They don't know what happened in the 60s. They don't know the three-day weeks and the blackouts and the inflation and the mortgage rates and things as they were. They think it's bad now, but it was worse. And so this is, I don't necessarily talk about that. I talk about music. People did different things and what the Rolling Stones got up to and sometimes is hopefully of interest. Yeah, and, and I think when somebody hears a song, they, it relates to a part of their life as well, even if it's their parents, because their parents used to play it when they were children and things like this. And that's where I quite often get feedback on a particular song. I, I played one not long ago and somebody said that that song made your show because it, I, I just haven't heard it for so long. It's so wonderful. And you played the 12 inch longer version. And I thought, and that thrills me to bits. That does that little bit of feedback does more than anything. And the other thing I, I do, I wondered if you did was. Look on the search engines for your show title, see where it is in the world, and then go to their schedule. And I'm quite thrilled sometimes because I see that it's in Australia, in four areas of Australia, and it's scheduled several times throughout the week. And I do things like that. And I like that as well, because people that take your show are really using it. I, th there's one station in particular, they, they've got a slightly different slant on, on the show. And in so much they split it. And so sometimes I'll be on at seven just for an hour. Oh, and then the second hour will be later on. Now, quite how that goes over, I'm not sure. 
and then the next day that'll be on at 10 and three and and so it's all literally all over the show and if that works for them that's fabulous i, I don't mind because of the nature of it because it's fairly laid back mostly it does fit the later hour or the the sunday afternoon slot quite nicely but uh, i don't want to be in competition with johnny walker too often mm -hmm. did you when you built up your record collection was it from vinyl and you transferred it to a computer or was it all is it all downloads no it, it's it's mainly record or cd collection so I, when i got ill i ripped all my cds onto disc and then gave the cds away seemed a bit silly but I was actually going through a thing because I was in liver failure. So I was actually a bit bonkers at the time. Some say I haven't got particularly better, but I, I had the things you get with that. So I made some dubious decisions in those days, 2015, but that's where it started. And so I just buy CDs or I get CDs or sometimes I borrow them and, and do stuff with that. But downloads, no, I don't generally do downloads. No, I, I must admit with my record collection, I had uh, 10,000 vinyls. And I transferred them all manually to DAT, the digital audio tape, and just so that I could find them. So if I went to track 61 in my catalog, that was ABBA or something, and it was through it and then find it, then mini disc for a little while. I mean, oh, mini disc. Yes. And then that went, so I had to change everything from DAT so I could find it on computer and transfer it and manually type in the songs. And it took me three and a half, four years to do it. Uh, People say now, oh, oh, do you still play from vinyl? I don't now. It is all from vinyl, but it's not there because I need to find it quickly and compile the shows and edit them and things. And so actually putting on vinyl one by one just doesn't work. It might do for a small time thing where you've got a few records here and there, but not for the thousands that I had. The only time I will download is... If I have got the single, but it's people love that when they hear it, oh, he's playing a vinyl. But I thought, no, I can't. It's got to be good quality. So I'll, I'll download one. I do pay for them, by the way. But uh, that's how it, it works. I'm always interested how people build up their record collections. Have you got thousands now? You must have thousands of titles. Yeah, I have tried to transfer them all because I'm not very good at the filing system. So I've got stuff all over the show. And so what I've been trying to do is put everything onto one external hard drive. And that is a bit of a labor of love. And of course, I seem to have a problem. I've got about four hard drives that, that are active, but won't open. I can't access them. So I've got to go and see my man and get that sorted out. So that's, but yeah, there's I've, I've no idea how many thousands are on there. And of course, I love sometimes the obscure things and the fun songs from the 70s, uh, Telephone Man from all that sort of thing and Toast from the street band and stuff. So yeah. I, I, I do love all of that. So yeah, so I'm quite diverse. And, and then I played Harry's Bar on one show and somebody said i've never heard that before and i forgot the guy's name now but anyway it's it was just it just nice gordon haskell that's it gordon haskell you see that's the age thing kicking in again but sometimes you play something that isn't mainstream and i do quite like sometimes there's stephen seagull who do a, a bluegrass version of thunderstruck from acdc and they're hitting an anvil. And it's great. And there's the Civil Wars do a version of Billie Jean. They split up. They were big about 10, 15 years ago, husband mm -hmm. and wife team. And it's a, a sort of slightly Southern, it's not really bluegrass, but so I, I sort of, I like to touch upon different genres from time to time. And sometimes a cover version of something can be very interesting. So when you find that, I like to just chuck that in. I, when I was doing my live show, when I got in by accident to, to radio, 
completely by inviting myself onto the, the local radio station as a guest. And so I made, made it aware that I was interested and things followed on, but I've never done the DJ thing. So I've never been that. And I always call myself, if people say to me, and they do it to wind me up now, I think they, we do pub quizzes. They, when it comes to music around, they say, well, Pete's here. He's the DJ. And I, excuse me, I'm a presenter. I'm not a DJ. I'm, I'm quite specific about that. And, and I'd, I'd certainly don't do that scratchy bit. I wouldn't, so I'm not doing that. But when I did the live show, I would go in and there was usually just me because people don't realize that, that us on local radio, when we're doing it live is usually just us. There's no teams of, of technicians and, and people pressing buttons. It's just us. And that's both the scary bit and the exciting bit and the adrenaline buzz from that is marvelous. But I would play out the auto GJ that had been playing overnight and I would play my jingle, which is still Green Onions by Booker T. I've gone back to, I tried to dump it, but I keep coming back to it. And, and I would have my first track ready, open the microphone and didn't have a clue what I was going to say. And that's how my show's done. There's no real planning in it. I do go through and, and make, so if I'm doing a show tomorrow, at some point I'll do the technical stuff, make all the files and, and name everything and do all that, which is the boring bit. Then I will go and get a playlist. Now you think 30, 40 tunes, maybe depending on the length per show, I will make a playlist of probably 150 because I don't quite know where I'm going to go. And then I've started doing a joke. I know I'm, I'm Tony Blackburn reincarnated, but I'll do a, I was nearly late thing. And then I'll, there'll be a bit of a funny, hopefully. And then there'll be a very tenuous link. Cause I love tenuous links to the first track. And so that's how that goes. And so that's how, how I open my show. And each segment I do normally has a power track. So it'll be dire straits or it'll be status quo, just something if it's gone to the news. Or something like that. It's just a bit of a hello, I'm back. So no vocals, a jingle, my jingle, and then a power track, something a bit umphy. And then I go off again and do my normal thing. And then just try and do some bit of information in, in between. But this making up as I go along, to me, that's what gives me the buzz. And I, I just think, oh, I could do this, or I could do that. And sometimes I'll have to go and find another track because I've just thought of something and I've got to drag it in. But to me, that's the exciting bit. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me motivated. Wow, that's incredible. And, and, and to work like that as well, like you say, it, it does create that adrenaline, but it's that very thing that makes the show as successful as it is. Um, the listener gets vibes and that's where it's coming from. I love that. And um, I've tried working from scripts myself, but I, I sound like I am reading a script. So it's better to be natural, I think. Um, I do a, um, a dry read for a radio station, um, which is a thing called Backstage Pass which is in airwaves, which is in, in Belfast, Glasgow, and Manchester. And that's, that goes out and that's just, it's available as a podcast as well on Amazon and Apple and things. I've been doing that for a while. And so I just do the dry reads and it, it's a similar type of thing. It's a story behind a song. Why was a, a song never, nearly never made or something of that ilk? And so I just do it and then they take it away and mix it and, and make it all pretty. And that's scripted. And that's interesting because the chap is very switched on with his radio station and, but he's French living in Belfast. And he sends me a French script that's been Google translated to English, which sometimes doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I have to improvise it. And I do that on the hoof again. I, I sometimes have a separate screen up with 
some info on it and then I'll dig around, but I've got to be fairly tight on the time and I can't ramble, which is my thing. I'm rambling now, obviously. So I have to be tight on that, but yeah, that's good fun. Oh, wonderful to know the background of how, how these shows are put together and things. I, I started introducing themes to mine because the local FM stations said, can you put a theme so we know what we're going to play? So if it's a, even a punk rock or something, uh, we know it's what it is. But we're online, I find the internet radio stations, they don't, they're not into the theme so much. They, they just know that the vinyl impressions or the 50 years of pop is going to be that. And so I started to come out of it, but then people say, oh, no, we like the themes. <laughs> so I saw, oh, here we go, the, the mystery year top threes or something. Um, I did have a, a, a cunning plan, as Baldrick would say, for doing a, um, a, a one-hour special on certain groups, for example, but that's never actually gone beyond the planning stage. That may pop up at some point in the future, but it's just a matter of timing, really, and, and not over, over-promising on something. Keep your eyes open for that. That's an insight. And also, I find some presenters say, oh, it takes me 10 hours to produce my one-hour show. And I think that's because of all the planning and the, the typing and the thinking about it and brainstorming, whereas the way you do it, you don't need all that planning because it's happening as you speak. Um, the yeah. trouble with scripts is that after my liver transplant, I became a funeral celebrant and I sort of recently stepped down from that. Not that I've, I've stopped, but I don't actively, look, I'm, I'm getting too old for it, but my wife and I were wedding celebrants as well. And we stopped doing that COVID really stopped that. But when I did the training, we had to do role play and I had a very great fools and horses moment because in, in part of the scripts that we were given to read out to camera to show how we projected and all that sort of thing. I had to say the happy couple will now go and have their photographs taken. Will you go to the next room where there'll be drinks and orders? Of course, fools and horses, sunny. And I, as I said it, I knew I was saying it wrong. I said, there's drinks and horsey derbies. <laughs> and of course, everybody cracked up and I just fumble through it, don't you? But that's scripting for you. If you say it out loud, you can, it's because it was written down there and I just read it. You've done a lot of shows. Are there any memorable experiences as a radio presenter so far? Is, is there something that you do and you look back and say, yes, that was good? Is, is there anything that stands out for you? Obviously the first one. And I was chatting to a young lady the other day who'd just done her first live show. Or, uh, and it's just that sort of wonderful adrenaline rush that you're suddenly opening the mic and all these people are waiting for you to say something, usually something incisive or funny or, or whatever. And, and usually what comes out is it's a load of gibberish. And I like to carry on that style of, with the, the gibberish, but you suddenly you sit in front of a microphone as we're doing now and you become, you're not a different person, but there's something different about you. I do, I've told you before, I think I do murder mysteries for a friend of mine, oh. very intelligent chap, ex-police scene of crimes. So he knows all about crime scenes and stuff. So we create a crime scene and there's four of us as suspects. We go along to a Hindu or something and we're given some basic info. And then the rest of it is just, we make it up as we go along because we know each other quite well. Some of us suspects, we've done it a few years now. So we invent these little subplots. He's been visiting her room at three o'clock in the morning and so all totally off script, of course. And then you do a different story at the next table. You get interviewed for 10 minutes by this group of people, usually quite drunk. And you've got to think on your toes. And that's interesting. That's, that's improv. Um, and it, 
providing you don't tell a lie that's not in the script, if you can get away with it, but you've got to just be think it through. And then in between rounds, when we're standing there, sometimes the other week, the other week I did one, there's two of us who in the storyline were supposed to really dislike each other. We were pushing and shoving each other and doing the dagger eyes at each other, all unscripted and all, we just make it up. And, and I, I rather like that excitement of it. And I think every show to me, however it's done, somebody is going to listen to it. So you want to make it as best as you can. And you want your voice, you don't want the, 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 the drony voice. You've got to lift your voice and you've got to be part of it. And, and sometimes you'll hear it. If you listen to my show, I'm laughing to myself because I, I find it funny. It, it might not be, but as long as you've got something in your voice that says you're a human being, you're not artificial intelligence. And I hope we don't go down that route, but it's people like us, the many thousands, millions that, that do this thing in spare bedrooms and, and cupboards around the world. That, that keep the airwaves happy and bring an enjoyment to somebody, hopefully. I, we were spoken before we, we came on air about um, the, the way we prepare things. And I've lost my point and I've lost my thread now. But it's, I think if you listen back to your show and you find, sometimes I find I do this, You've got to suddenly think about your audience and they are actually really out there and they're going to listen to this. That's what brings me up. So instead of saying, hello, and here we go again, and blah, 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 you say, hello, good morning, or hello, and welcome along, blah, blah. You remember your audience, they're out there and they really are taking, this is their life. You're, they're spending that time to listen to you. For goodness sake, make it worthwhile. And so that's what I do. I think of the audience and I no, this has got to be, even though I'm doing it in my spare time or something. This has got to be the best it's got to be. And I, so I do agree with your techniques. And there's, there's tips to that as well. A high back chair to make you sit up, right? Having your monitor that you look up, up high to keep your head up, having your microphone at a height that, that makes you sit up and project. I learned a lot of those things through being a funeral celebrant that you're standing up there in front of sometimes hundreds of people. And you're telling a story and you've only got 25 minutes or so to do it. So you've got to project and you've got to emphasize and your voice is not going to be monotonous. So you've got to have the highs and lows. And we're, we're not actually voice actors, but, but we're not far off it in many ways that we've got to, there's nothing worse than a monotone voice and you see it all too often, sadly. Yes. And somebody said to me, what? I, t- I stood in for a DJ. He came off and I, c- I came on and he said, she, she said, you've got to laugh in your voice. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah. Singing your words. And that was the difference. He was, and I came hey, and really lit up the room and you can see it in the people. And I tend to criticize now because I was, I used to run disco, mobile discos. I look at them now and I say, you, you, you've got to. You are a part of the show. You've got to create the atmosphere by what you say about the songs or about the situation you're in or whatever. And it does work. You can read the dance floor and on the radio, you have to read your audience. So it's all fascinating stuff. And I love asking presenters or DJs, but of course, there's a big difference between, as you say, of course, there is, um, how they do it, why they do it. Yours is for the buzz, obviously, because. You're, you're there and you get that excitement about it. I was going to ask if you ever thought of doing a talk show, but I believe you've already been involved with talk. Yes, I, I did. And I did it for two or three years. And every Thursday between 10 and 12 was, I used to invite 
local businesses on, charities, somebody was doing something a bit interesting or sponsored, whatever it might be. And then I would get the leader of the council or the leader of the opposition on and, and try and quiz them. Not trying to be a paxman, trying to be, I, I didn't, although I might've had my own views and I still do, um, but because I used to chair a local group, which was a bit like a parish council, but wasn't, um, and I only recently retired from that. Um, so I, I made these connections over the years and it was good. Just what's happening in town. What are we doing? Why are we not doing this? Why are we doing that? Where's this money coming from? That type of thing. You get the political response. You always will. And the temptation to say, actually, that's a lot of fooey. It was strong, but of course you, you had to keep it balanced. And I'm sure people on the listening in would have a different opinion to that, but yeah, I did enjoy the talk show. And it's something I, I have thought about, but how I could do that on the basis of if it was specific to a particular radio station, that would work. But I think anything big time or, or syndicated probably would be difficult. I don't know that whether you could with new artists and, and you probably get the same as me. You get all these emails saying, oh, play my song. And I just say, Unless it's a cover version of an old song, I can't because it doesn't fit. That's not to say I won't play anything that's new, but it's got to, it's got to really have something about it. Just a new song won't cut the mustard because that's 23 years above my sort of cutoff date. Yeah. If somebody comes out with a cover version of something old, I'll listen to it, but, but usually no, I like to stick where I think my audience is. And obviously by the take up of the show. There, there is an audience for it. So I, I don't want to change. I don't want to upset the balance really too much. I also think there could be a podcast in your murder mysteries that could work. Yeah, they, they are, they are great fun. We went to one and we walked in the door and we saw that was a hen, hen do. And we walked and we'd gone right in the middle of nowhere for this thing. And as we walked in with all our gear and cause we, we chalk the, the body's outline on the floor and there's clues and stuff and it's very clever. I play no part of that. I'm just there as a, as an actor, but yeah, it, it, it is great fun, but we walked in there and they were so lively, shall we say, we thought, shall we keep the engine running? Going to make a swift exit and we're going to survive this, but we did. And yeah, we did one on, it was, was it to punk. It was very big around here. And Dave, who, who is behind all this, he had actually got a laptop and made a wooden frame for it and it, it fixed a brass piping on the edge of it because obviously there's no internal combustion engine everything is steam powered he got an old gun and he'd welded bits of piping onto it and he told me the theory of how a steam powered revolver would work because that was the murder weapon and i had to know this and you're relaying it and it's if you pump you set this little bunsen burner and you get enough steam and you pump it up and it's enough to fire two bullets and things and then you have to start it out and and it's wow this guy's got such a marvelous imagination i do Every year he does a firework display and I go up on stage. That's the only time I go up on stage and I just play the music for, for two hours as people are milling around. And then we do the big firework display at the end of it. Cause he likes blowing things up as well, does Dave? But, oh yeah, I love it. And you can always repurpose things. So if, if you've got an output with something that people are enjoying, you can say, okay, that's for that audience. Now let's just change something about it and put it out to a new audience. And that can often work. I do like these ideas. I, I've got millions of ideas, by the way. <laughs> a smaller amount can actually get put in action. Um, okay, let's, I've got a couple more questions, then, then we must go. I appreciate your time. 
But I was going to ask you, which style of music do you enjoy the most and why? Oh, that's difficult because I grew up, my dad loved military music, military bands, and my mum loved Pericomo. So I don't play either of those. I, I guess the, the show that I actively look forward to listening to every week, which is pretty much the only show I listen to every week, is Tony Blackburn's Sound of the 60s on a Saturday morning, six o'clock. Come on, put the guy on at six o'clock. You're having a laugh. But we do, we actually, we have actually set the alarm to listen to him or we listen to him on catch up. I listened to Tony Blackburn when he started off Radio One. I was laying in the garden and listening to him or whatever it was. That's how I remember it anyway. It probably wasn't like that, but that's how I remember it. And I listened to Radio Caroline and Radio London, Radio Luxembourg that used to drift in and out. So my, my music really is 60s and 70s. That's my core music. I love, I like the poppy stuff, but I also love something with a bit of an edge. So I do the Dire Straits and the ACDC and Deep Purple was my group. We traveled when I was 17, we traveled to see some friends in Germany in the back of a Morris Thousand. And I was, I've always been six foot. I think I was born six foot and I was wedged in the back with all this luggage. And I had a cassette with the, with the batteries, no, no rechargeables in those days. And I had Carol King Tapestry and Deep Purple Machine Head. And I played those two tracks all the way there and all the way back. And of course the batteries are, you know, it started winding down like that. And so you'd get them out and you'd rub them on your jeans and try and spark them up a bit and put them back in. And so I had about three sets and constantly swapping them over. It cost me a fortune. So they were, so Carol King, James Taylor, that type of thing, Neil Sedaka, of course. And then I was into the sort of atomic rooster and, and stuff like that of the day. And as I say, deep purple was a great influence, but I listened to things and to me, it's either all or nothing. So the same with the book, I start reading the book. I, I stopped reading now. It's not good for me, but I, if it doesn't grab me in the first page, it's gone. The same with music. And I just like something with a bit of oomph to it. I don't like dreary. I don't like feeling sorry for myself. I'm not that sort of person, especially as we've all had history, medical history, and, and you either come out of it as a victim or you think I'm going to embrace life and go for it. And I've done more since my transplant than I ever did before. I'd always been active in local voluntary stuff and whatever, but I just think, wow, there's a chance there. You're some people, I did a Zoom for what we had to think about intensive care. And of the 20 people that were in this thing, most of them were, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. There's things I can't do physically because of tiredness for the tablets, but other stuff mentally, this is part of the reason I do this mentally to keep on top of things. Otherwise you just become a, you're sitting there watching daytime TV. Not that I don't, but you can just sit there and just watch TV and just get bigger and lose this spark that we've all got somewhere. And I'm lucky. I'm, I, I'm very fortunate. I live in a beautiful place. I live near the sea. I'm 68. I'm in pretty good Nick, really. My wife and I love holidays. We have a great life. We are extremely lucky in that respect and we make the most of it. Yeah. And if an opportunity comes along, we'll grab it. I like that. Thank you very much. It's a lovely insight and good advice to others. I find that when I was on the chemo, people around me, they'd say, oh, I've been on this five years now and this is how I've got for the rest of my life. And I thought, you don't accept it. Come away, come off it and do something positive and get your mind back active and your body. And well, you've I've got, got it, but it just takes so much. But the radio side of things is it works for me as well. And I'm glad it's worked for you. You look healthy 
and happy and you've got a good sense of humor as well. That makes well, sense. My, my next thing is I've been looking at new guitars because I've got hanging up on my wall. I've got two acoustics, an electric and two ukuleles, which neither of which I can. When I was young, when I was about sort of 12, 13, I wanted to play the guitar really badly. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 68 and I've achieved it. I can play the guitar really badly. Um, but the, I've been looking at, at the new guitar, not that I've mastered these ones, but I, it is that if I, my, so my goal now is over the, between the next few months to, I, I can, I'm a three chord strummer, so I can play bits, but not proficiently. And so it's to get to a better standard that I can justify in my head buying a new guitar. And I've seen some semi-hollow ones that, that rather take my eye bright red. So that could be on the list. That's my next little project. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you what you're going to do next, and you've just answered. Thank you very much. Two more questions, if I may, then, then we must go. What advice would you give someone who is interested in starting their own radio show, but they haven't quite started yet? Would you say jump into it or hang on, think first? A bit of both, really. The first thing is simply hardware. So there's a certain amount of cost. You've got to have a laptop and a, and a microphone and, and somewhere relatively quiet. So there are some sort of hardware y things. And, but you can do it with free software. So that side of it can be done. And you can go and approach radio stations or, or speak to people for help and advice. And that's never a bad thing. But I think have a bash at it and just do it, but then listen to it. And listen to possibly if you've got some nice friends that aren't too cutting that, that will say, actually, they'll give you an honest appraisal. And whatever we're doing now, you and I, we did it very badly a while back. And in, if we have this conversation next year, we'll be doing it a bit better. And you constantly learn, you're picking up things. Look at, at the, all the information is there in terms of the technical stuff. Look at what radio stations are doing. Look what the market is. Decide what market you want to be in. Are you a disco person? Are you folk music possibly or, or whatever it might be? Is there a market for what you want to do is, is the important thing. Because otherwise you might do a fabulous show and there's no takers for it. So that could be a bit frustrating. But I think the main thing is all of that aside, and that's all doable, changeable, whatever, if you want to do it and enjoy it, I can't say any more than that, really. Have fun and, and let that fun come over into what you do. I find with the syndication thing, you do get presenters that start off and they're all keen and they're doing everything, but they only last for a few shows. Their website looks a bit, if it's there in the first place, looks a bit duff and slow uh, and they give up. So I suppose the other thing is just don't give up if you really want to do it. If, you've, if somebody's committed to you, that if a station has said they want to take your show, and make sure there's a show to give them. And, and that is, there was a thread actually on social media about that a week or two back, and somebody was saying that these people have come to them, and, and I go, and there's no show to play this week, so you've got to play something else or not. And, and with me, I've got a bank now of shows, so somebody new coming in has probably got, if they're doing it once a week, they've got a year and a half's worth, or they can do two shows a week. That's different. But if you're going to say you're going to do something, do it, and, and don't let people down because... They're relying on you. They might have a station in, in the outbreak of Australia might have said, here is John Smith and he's doing this show and he's going to be on at 10 o'clock on Thursday. And then at 10 o'clock on Thursday, they stop shearing sheep and, and there's no John Smith there. So it's, you've got to, if you, if somebody's going to put a bit of time and effort in you, you've got to repay it and make sure that you're doing it. If not, there's got to be a good reason. Finally, you, you've touched on many aspects of this anyway. I was going to say, what can listeners expect 
from your show in the future? And are there any exciting new developments coming up that you can share with us? Or do you feel what you've got will just continue? I like it to, to have the element of, of growth about it. I don't want to say this is it because you don't want to get into a rut and you don't want to get samey because that will then reflect in what you're doing. So I, I think I, I just want to keep the thing vibrant and punching along there. And I, for me, I always look for if there was something interesting I could bring into it, I would consider it. I quite like the format. I'm happy with the, the size of it and the, and the type of music I play and the bits in between. I would always look to see if there was an element I could bring that would enhance it, but I don't, I have no plans to change it at the moment. I, I just enjoy doing what is, what, what's happening. So hopefully people are, are feeling the same. Okay. If somebody wants to get in touch with you and grab your show and have it for their radio station, where would they go? It's a Facebook page for me. My own Facebook page is just Peter Kirkpatrick. There is two other pages. Well, there's one page which is 50 Years of Pop, and I think the other one's called now, but it's just, if they just Google 50 Years of Pop. That's what I do to find it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm here. You know, it's on the. Um, I haven't done it recently, to be honest, but yeah, if they either Google me and ignore the eminent brain surgeon down at Adambrooks, because when I used to go in there for my checkups, they said, Why is my name up on a board? And it wasn't me, it was the consultant in the next room he's got the same name as me and there are a number of peter kirkpatrick's around all more eminent than i am but uh, yeah if you just google me or 50 years of pop or peter kirkpatrick it's 50 years of pop something should pop up but i've had the same phone number the same email address for years if anybody wants to get in touch just get in touch by whatever means is is best for them but i'm always open to chat and, and uh and interact i've turned down loads of requests for do live shows simply because of time and, and stuff like that and so I, I still get those but i do some other work for other stations as a one-off and, and stuff but I, it's just conscious of if i spent too much time in what i call my studio my wife used to call the spare bedroom but i sold the bed so it's no longer that but yeah i made it my own gradually crept things in with her when she wasn't watching so, oh where did that cover oh, i just brought on amazon that sort of thing other other mail order companies are available of course i just just i have to say my my sort of hero if you like it if you want to have a hero was sir terry wogan who oh amazing amazing uh, just a, a fantastic i've got his book uh, i'm gonna read that i'm gonna go away on holiday and read that book he just i used to be a tog in fact i was a grandmaster tog um, yep. yeah and had lots of fun got thrown off that actually for being a bit rebellious but there again we, we won't talk about that but so Terry had this wonderful persona, this wonderful way of talking as though he was talking to you and, and that's nice. I don't actually visualize anybody as such, but I do feel I, I try to talk to somebody and get them to engage somehow in what I'm doing. And he was the past master of that. I don't, I don't compare myself with him, but by any means, but if you can, if somebody's going to give you some inspiration, it, it's Terry Wogan. He was just excellent. Do you remember the Janet and John sequence? On a Thursday morning, if you, wherever you were in, the, in this country, you would see cars parked by the side of the road at 20 to 9 on a Thursday morning, listening to Janet and John. And my late wife and I used to pack the CDs for the charity. We did loads. We used to get, we'd just sit in the garden under the gazebo and just pack these things off to go off. And I was even on a Todd calendar once, one year they did that. Janet and John, I still listen to them now. They were just, awesome they were just so funny and so rude 
they were it was pure filth, really, but so funny. And and he he made it as though they weren't. And yes. he, yeah, quite yeah, I can see the funny side of that. You didn't realise it was much deeper, and they were very were. I I tried to write. I had a punchline that the Janet and John. You have to write them backwards. You have to start with your punchline and work it back, and then weave in the thing. So what's said at the beginning of the opening of this sort of two three minute thing actually is part of your punchline. So you've got to pay attention to them. I've got the the CDs. Uh, I've got them, and, and they are, and I'm on the Janet and John Facebook page, and but to watch him when he read them out to get the obvious enjoyment and to see that man laugh and, and have so much fun with the people around him all falling around laughing at this silly, it's all very schoolboyish. I mean, I actually got chucked off because I was too rude and I wasn't any ruder than Janet and John was, hey. but, but yeah, so that was that, but oh, happy days. But yeah, yeah schoolboy humor, you can't beat it, can you? And, and they used to say, oh, there's a red flag there. Oh, there's a red flag. <laughs> But of course, you, you see, the trouble is that you've got to be very careful what you say because people do get offended. And I, I would never set out to offend anybody. I just wouldn't. But you can do it innocently by, by what you say nowadays. And I think we, as broadcasters, we have to be careful of that. We don't want to upset anybody, but we still got to have a bit of fun with what we do. So it's a fine line. Thank you very much, Peter Kirkpatrick. You've been a sensational guest for me on the show because... You've, you've given us a wonderful insight of what it's really like to be a real presenter, um, both of talk shows and of music radio. Um, and we've seen the man behind the presenting. And it's, so thank you very much indeed. And I will continue to listen to and syndicate your shows, 50 Years of Pop, Peter Kirkpatrick. There's 200 plus in the back catalogue already. So plenty to choose from. And you know how to co contact uh, Peter. And I'll put the contact details and all the links and everything with the podcast so you're not going to miss out on a thing. Peter, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, Mark, and um, many thanks for inviting me on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more details of any of our podcasts, please visit vinylimpressions.club.